Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. So good to see so many people here today and to be able to worship together today. We're coming to a very uh, sweet portion of scripture. We're continuing our series, Chaos and Christianity, Expositions through Romans uh, chapter 12 all the way to 16 and quickly coming to the end of the book of Romans. We're in chapter 15 today and today's text is so sweet because it's filled with hope for us. And today's text is so sweet today because it's also filled uh, with power for us. And so if you need to be renewed in hope today, and if you need to be filled with power today, then I encourage you, I exhort you to take your Bibles now and turn with me to Romans chapter 15, and we're gonna be in verses eight to 13. And if you don't have a Bible today, you can put up your hand and one of the ushers at the back there would love to put a copy of God's word into your hands. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We just really want you to have a copy of the word of God in your hands to follow along today. The title of this morning's message is this, Hope is Here. Hope is here, and we're going to unpack it from verses 8 to 13. So look at it with me. Romans 15, starting from verse 8. In fact, we're going to start from verse 7, where we left off last time. Verse 7 of Romans 15 says this. It says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Verse 8 now. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing praise to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So I'm gonna start expounding this text. We're gonna end off seeing that verse 13 is really a prayer for the church at Rome. And I want you to see that it is a prayer for us as individuals and a prayer for our church, a prayer that is filled with hope and filled with power. Hope is here. And this is where we're going to get started if you're taking notes. Uh, point number one is this. Hope is here. In our text, there is a promise. And here's the promise. Hope for the world. Hope for the world. I want you to notice verse eight again. Paul says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. That's, that's to the Jewish people to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given 
to the patriarchs. For I tell you, Paul says, that builds upon everything that Paul has just been addressing in the specific context that the church at Rome was experiencing. And we went through all of that over the past two weeks. I want you to remember how verse seven ended. Look at verse seven again, look at it. It ended this way. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's important context. And again, we unpacked it over the last two weeks. To the Jewish Christians in the church at Rome, whose consciences didn't allow them to abandon the dietary restrictions of the Mosaic law, welcome each other as Christ has welcomed you. And to the Gentile Christians whose consciences didn't restrain them from doing a particular thing, you welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And Paul has been arguing, don't allow third level issues to divide you. Don't allow matters of conscience and disputable issues to separate you. Instead, welcome each other just as Christ has welcomed you and never forget what it means, listen, that Christ has welcomed you. For I tell you, he says, because God has not only promised hope to the Jewish people, but God has promised and delivered hope for the Gentiles, the nations of the world, to the entire world. And this is the truth that Paul uses to summarize and encapsulate this entire discussion. Stop fighting over disputable matters. Don't pass judgment on each other. Stop despising one another over issues of conscience because you all have been welcomed into the family of God according to the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just for the Jewish people though, but for the entire world that the whole world would be blessed and welcomed in Christ, notice it in verses nine to 12, starting from verse eight. He says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, again, the Jewish people, he came to the Jewish people to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, watch this, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And he goes on to make his case from scripture itself. I want you to look at it again. He says, quoting a variety of different scriptures through a variety of different genres, he says, as it is written, he's quoting scripture now, therefore I will praise you among who? The Gentiles, not just among the Jewish people around the world and sing praise to your name, verse 10. And again, it is said, rejoice, who? Oh, Gentiles, not just the Jewish people. In verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you who? Gentiles, and let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule, who? Not just the Jewish people, the Gentiles. And in him, watch this, the Gentiles hope. Who are the Gentiles? That's the entire world that are not the Jewish people. Now, there's a magnificent truth here that the Jewish Christians in the church at Rome were tempted to forget. 
They should never try to exclude Gentile believers because they belong to God too. They have been grafted into the people of God through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And here's the truth for us. We, loved ones, we should never try to exclude one another regardless of where we stand on certain issues because again, we have all been welcomed by Christ and we all belong to God and this doesn't change when we have differing opinions. Remember he said in verse one of 14, don't quarrel over opinions. And the magnificent truth that's embedded in our text today and the magnificent truth that we sometimes are tempted to forget is this, that the God of all creation has initiated a sovereign plan from before the foundations of the world to bring hopeless people into a hope-filled relationship with God, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to the whole world. And so we don't have time to fight, Paul is saying, over our opinions. Jesus Christ became a servant to the Jews and to confirm that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. This is remarkable, loved ones, and that's why all of us are here today. That's why we're here, those of us that sit in this room, having been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and having been brought into a hope-filled relationship with God is because Jesus Christ came not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and loved ones. This is why our church exists. And not to be a self-focused people quarreling over opinions, self-consumed, but as people who have been recipients of hope. We now are here and exist to become dispensers of hope and to welcome all equally because God has welcomed us. That's why our name is Hope Church. We chose that name. We didn't inherit that name. We chose that name because we want the city around us to see this very thing. And through the church of Jesus Christ, there is hope and mercy for the world. See, we don't just come here to get for ourselves. We don't just come here to get full on spiritual food and to go home. We come here as recipients of hope and grace, as those who have been welcomed into the family of God, and we recognize that we are now dispensers of this hope. That's why the heartbeat of our church is to be strengthened on the inside that we would have strong gatherings like this, strong families, strong prayer meetings, strong congregational care and community in order to, listen, in order that we may reach those on the outside to have strong community outreach and strong global impact. And Paul's saying to the church at Rome, specifically to the Jews, you're not the only ones welcome here. But through Jesus Christ, grace and mercy and hope has been dispensed to the Gentiles, the entire world. And we can never forget that. This is why we exist, to worship, 
and to obey the word of God and to give of ourselves sacrificially and freely of our time, treasures, and talents so that we could be equipped and matured in this place and from this place to now have an impact, dispensing hope to the world around us. And that's why if we've learned anything over the last few messages from this series, it's this. We cannot afford to be a church that's divided. We don't have time to be a church that's quarreling. We don't have time to be a church fighting over disputable matters. Christ has welcomed all. And so we make a decision to welcome one another. We just don't have time. And if you're interested in quarreling over opinions, this is probably not the right church for you because we don't have time for that. We have a mission and we have a purpose. And the implication of this truth then is that as a watching world observes the unity and the love that Paul's exhorted in chapter 14 and 15, when the world sees the unity and love of this place, the opportunity as recipients of hope becomes so clear to us to become powerful dispensers of this hope. So, Let's all make a decision right now that if Hope Church is your home, together we take to heart the word of God. Together we keep each other accountable to obey the word of God. Together we keep each other accountable to submit ourselves to the word of God. We will not be an insulated, self-focused people focusing on ourselves. We will be a worshiping people, well-taught in the word of God, growing in maturity, giving of ourselves, and going to a world with a unified front, the way God has designed for his church to be united, not quarreling over opinions. And Paul is rooting that mission in this exhortation, essentially. The gospel is a gospel of hope for everyone, not just certain groups of people in the church, not based on certain opinions you may have. Remember, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Hope is here, loved ones. There's a promise, there's a promise, hope for the world. And I pray that as we go on and even for what's ahead after this message, we are right now today catching a vision for what God could be calling us to in greater measure as a church in this city. Hope is here, there's a promise, hope for the world. Finally, this, hope is here. You can jot this down. Uh, there's a prayer, there's a prayer hope for our hearts, hope for our hearts. Notice verse 13, Paul goes on with a prayer. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So after the apostle Paul has poured out his heart to the church at Rome, calling them to peace, 
calling them to a renewed understanding of the gospel of hope and how it impacts how they relate to each other. He ends this section very pastorally with a deep and profound prayer for the church. And today we're going to embrace this prayer for our church. God is going to use it for our church. So here's where the rubber always meets the road. And I don't want you to ever forget this. The rubber always meets the road with faith. Rubber always meets the road with the powerful resource of prayer for an infusion of hope for our hearts today. That's where the rubber meets the road. So let me just stop right here and encourage you, make it a practice, make it a habit. May it be the habit of our church that while you're listening to someone preach, that you are praying. That while you're hearing the word of God exposited, you're saying, Lord, let this be for me. Lord, turn my heart. Lord, change my heart. Lord, fill my heart. Lord, use the word of truth for my heart today because this is where the rubber meets the road. Faith and prayer. All right, I'm gonna give you two powerful prayers from Paul's prayer. And then we're gonna move forward into all I believe God wants to say to us today, building upon this message. Two powerful prayers from Paul's prayer. Here it is, oh Lord. Oh Lord, we need a single focus. You are the God of hope, okay? This is our prayer. Lord, we need a single focus. We're so distracted too often. We put our hope in so many other things. And so Lord, it is our prayer that we become a people with a single focus. Notice verse 13 now, Paul prays, may the God of hope, let's stop right there. Paul begins this prayer with a simple and yet deep acknowledgement, one that's often very neglected amidst all of our various pursuits. And here's the basic acknowledgement. You ready? Hope is found in no other place. Hope is found in no other place. Hope is found in no other place. The hope that was brought to the Jews and through the Jews to the entire world, it's a hope that's found only in the God of hope. It's an important phrase. Paul begins, not one word of scripture is wasted, loved ones. Not one word is wasted. Paul says, may the God of hope, and he wants them to understand something of the God to whom he is praying And he wants them to understand that there is no other place we can find hope in this world. No wonder people are so disillusioned with the megachurch movement. Hope was never meant to be found in a ministry model. Hope is found only in the God of hope. No wonder people are so disappointed with one another's failings. Hope was never to be found in people or leaders or spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or ministry programs. It's only found in the God of hope. No wonder people are so discouraged by the political climate of the day all over the world. Hope was never to be found in political leaders, but only in the God of hope. And this hope is here. Paul begins his prayer with this powerful acknowledgement and you can't miss it. Paul is asking God to do something for the church at Rome. 
And his prayer and his faith and his expectations here are rooted in, listen, who God is. And our prayers and our faith and our expectation must be rooted in who God is. He is the God of hope. So let's think about this for a moment. Hope is found in a right understanding of who God is. That's why you have to read your Bible. That's why you have to guard your heart from false teaching. That's why you can't have an incorrect view of who God is because it throws everything off in your life. Hope is found in who God is. Let's talk about it. God of hope is sovereign. That means he's in full control of everything all around the world. No matter what's happening, nothing is outside of his sovereign control. That gives hope. You understand who God is, you have hope. The God of hope is good. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that he is good. We heard earlier in Psalm 136, he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. No matter what's happening in your life, if you lose sight of this fact of who God is, that he is good, you will lose hope. But hope is found in a right understanding of who God is. He is good. He is sovereign. All of his ways are always right. So contrary to what the other voices around us in this world may be proclaiming and regardless of what's unfolding around us, you and I can have a confident expectation for the future based solely on who God is. That's why you have to know who God is. That's why you have to understand the Bible. That's why you should take advantage of times of refreshing and come on a Tuesday night to learn more of who God is. That's why you should plan to get in a small group because you wanna learn more of who God is. That's why you should go to our website and our resources page and order books instead of buying Starbucks so that you can learn about who God is. But not only is our hope rooted in who God is, the God of hope, but hope is also found in everything that God has said to us in his word. Earlier in verse four, Paul writes, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Listen, that through endurance and through the encouragement of what? The scriptures, we might have hope. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope, so let's not rush here. Let's take a moment to consider this. Let's take a moment to consider just some of the biblical promises that God has spoken to us through his word and let it whet our appetites to uncover more of the promises of God that will infuse your life with hope even in the most hopeless situations you face. For example, if you feel alone and hopeless today, listen to what God has said. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, Joshua 1, 1 Chronicles 28, Matthew 28, and over and over and over and over again, if you feel alone, if you feel lost. God says to you, you are not alone. I will never leave you. And if the God of the universe is with us, and you believe and understand that hope rises in your heart very quickly. If you feel crushed and brokenhearted today, I know there are a lot of brokenhearted people in our church on any given week. You have no idea of the brokenness of the person sitting next to you. You have no idea. God has said, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted 
and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. If that's what God has said, and if I believe what God has said, I'm very quickly moved to a place of hope. If you feel like you failed one too many times, if you feel like God is finished with you, if you feel like God can't use your life anymore, God has said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, Philippians 1.6. He doesn't end and give up on what he starts. God always finishes what he started. And if you're a child of God, he started a work in you. And he does not bail out on that work that he started in you. He will bring it to completion. If you feel hopeless today, if you feel like God has given up on you, that's a lie. And the way that you fight and the way that you overcome the lies of the evil one is by throwing the promises of God at the lies of Satan. That gives hope. But you can't know the promises of God if you don't know the word of God. And so the scriptures are replete with promises from God, the God of hope, that our enemy is defeated, that our victory is secure, Revelation 21, that in the battle, God himself is fighting for us, Exodus 14, Romans chapter eight, and that no matter what is going on, we can take this to the bank and let it fill our hearts with hope. Our God is unparalleled in power and authority and glory, and our God never loses. So if you feel like you're struggling with hopelessness today, God, through his word, reaches towards you. He reaches towards you. He says, pick up the book and understand who I am. And with the book in your hand and with your knees bent in prayer, you can pray with a faith and expectation that is rooted in who God is and what God has said. And I just love this. You've heard me quote this so many times in John chapter 15, verse seven. Jesus says, if you abide in me, stay close to me and my words abide in you, then watch the powerful, watch the powerful answers to prayer. Ask whatever you wish, Jesus says and it will be done for you. Why? Why? Because when you're filling your heart with the word of God, the word of God is shaping your heart. And as the word of God is shaping your heart, the word of God is shaping your desires. And as the word of God is shaping your desires, the word of God is shaping your prayers. And as the word of God shapes the expression of your heart in prayer, then guess what? God will answer those prayers every time. You can clap. You can clap. One guy over here wants to clap. So let's do it. Amen, amen. And so this gives hope, the confident expectation of what is to come. That's the definition of hope and we can have that. God's word is full of declarations of who he is, full of promises of what he said. And based on this, we can have hope. This is our prayer, oh Lord, we need a single focus, the God of hope. Secondly and finally, oh Lord, we need, you can jot this down, we need a supernatural filling joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at it in verse 13 again. May the God of hope, notice this, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in 
hope. I want you to notice Paul's request that the church of Rome be filled with first. I want you to notice joy, joy. No doubt the current conflicts that Paul is addressing in Romans 14 and 15, no doubt those conflicts in the church at Rome have stifled a joy. And that's what infighting does. It steals joy out of the church. And that's what Paul is addressing here in the wider context, you understand. And that's why Paul is praying here that they may be filled with joy. Notice also that Paul prays that the church would be filled with peace. Peace, in the same way peace was not being achieved in the church because of the conflict, because of the disagreements over these disputable matters. And so he prays that the God of hope would fill them with joy and peace. Notice now how this joy and peace is to be achieved in the church. Look at it in verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Here it is. In believing. In believing. It's absolutely amazing to me that as Paul prays for a supernatural filling of joy and peace, the church at Rome must be willing to be the answer to their own prayers. And that's how prayer often works. In other words, you can't have joy and peace. You won't be filled with joy and peace if your trust and your belief is misplaced. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's praying a prayer that necessitates them to be the answer to their own prayer, to believe. God, fill this church with supernatural joy and peace and help this church to do their job, to believe. You do the sovereign work of filling this church with joy and peace and let them be responsible for their own belief. You see? You can choose to believe in or trust in or place your confidence in the headlines or social media feeds or political stability or economic projections or some people even vaccinations or masking or whatever you want to put your trust in, dietary restrictions and holy days in the time that Paul is writing in to the Jewish Christians specifically. You can put your trust in anything else, but you will find that if you don't put your trust, if you don't put your belief in the right place, your life will lack joy. Your life will lack peace. Your life will lack hope because there is only one place to find hope. It's the God of hope. And so we can choose to believe in then, conversely, trust in, place our confidence and in the God of hope. So the prayer essentially becomes, Lord, help me to trust you in the midst of my troubles. Help me to believe that you are who you say you are in your word. Help me to believe that you and only you are the God of hope because belief and trust generate this joy and peace that Paul is praying for. But not just belief and trust. I want you to understand, we need power. We need power. Did you know that you as a Christian, you need power? And thank God that he has given us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, he's giving us all the resources of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's power. 
I want you to notice verse 13 again. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, watch this, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you ever wonder how you can get through specific conflicts that you're facing in your life? Ever find yourself facing something hard or difficult or confusing and you think to yourself, the very real thought, I don't know how to get through this. I don't have enough strength to believe. I don't have enough strength to even pick up my Bible. Listen, loved ones, there's been days in my life. There have been days in my life I've had to will myself to pick up the Bible. And even then I sat there staring at the pages, just staring because the pain has been so Intense. And the confusion has been so perplexing. What do we need in those moments? Well, I've learned in those moments, I don't just start reading. I say, Lord, I need power. I need power. I need you to fill me with the Holy Spirit right now. I don't have what I need to be able to glean from your word anything today. I don't have strength to pray. I don't have strength to hope. I need power. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you ever wonder in unbelief if hope could ever be found in the circumstance that you face in your life? What's the answer? Well, Paul says that power is the answer. A prayer for supernatural filling that by the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of whatever we may be facing, we may abound and experience continually and consistently the reality of hope. Some days I just feel so hopeless, don't you? Some days I feel so tired. And in those moments, if someone came to me and, and knocked on my door and said, Jason, Jason, come on, you've been the recipient of hope. Go out and be a dispenser of hope. I can't even think about being a dispenser of hope. I feel so hopeless. What do I need? We need power. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually abound in hope. How can a church full of broken people abound in hope? How can a church full of broken people leave these doors and go not only as disciples, but as disciple makers into the world and dispense hope, how? through the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in hope. And so if you need power today, if you need hope today, so that we can be about the mission and the task that God has called us to be about every single day, I want you to join me right now to pray 
for this power. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And I wanna pray for my friends right now who are going through all kinds of different things. Some have faced a recent diagnosis and they feel hopeless. Some can't seem to get their relationships in order and they're filled with conflict and they feel hopeless. Some are disillusioned about so many things in their lives, whether it be work or politics or the culture. Some feel hopeless. But Lord, I pray that our church would pick ourselves up very quickly to be a church of pray, prayer, that the God of hope fill us with joy and peace in believing and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would abound in hope. Lord, we don't wanna waste time fighting. We say that together. We don't wanna waste time quarreling. We don't wanna waste time being about the things that don't matter. You have called us, you have equipped us, you have strengthened us and the time is now. The time is now, Lord. Fill us, we pray, with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you need that today, maybe you wanna just lift up your hands like this. And the Bible says in your name, I lift up my hands. It's not a mystical, weird thing. It's just a way to express that you need God. Right now, you just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I, I feel like I need more hope today so that I can dispense hope to the world. Fill me, fill me. Fill me with your spirit, fill me with your grace, fill me with joy, fill me with peace. And with your hands raised, would we pray this for our church together? And this is what you want, isn't it? This is what we want. Oh God, fill our church with joy. Let this place be a place filled with joy and hands clapping and celebrating the goodness of God. Let our church be a church of peace where there's unity and love and maturity and growth where we love one another. Let it be so. Let it be so, I pray. Do this work in us now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.